When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. All right, so Matt, you know Dove Chocolate, right? You've had that oh, yeah. before? I, I I realized something yesterday. Dove Chocolates taste way better than their soap does. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. everybody here we are again matt how you doing tonight brother hey man i'm good good deal good good deal so before we get into it we'll say go check out the podbelly network at podbelly.com you can find a whole bunch of shows that we're happy to be associated with and i promise you you're going to find something on there that you enjoy that you might not find anywhere else we also want to thank tonight's sponsors raycon and uncommon goods and we'll talk more about them later also when this episode drops Not the next day, but the following Saturday, we are going to be doing a live stream. That's Saturday, October 28th. We are going to start about 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. You know, give or give a few minutes, (laughs) uh, depending on if the link works and all that. But make sure you have liked our Facebook page, Graveyard Tales, because that is the only place that we're going to be streaming to. Um, we, it, it won't be in the group. So if you're in the group, but haven't liked the Facebook page, it's not going to be streaming there. We can't set it up to stream into the group. It will only stream to our Facebook page. So go like that. So you'll get a notification when the link posts and I will be posting the link probably late Friday night or early Saturday morning, something like that. So that it's there. And we will start about 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh-huh. And we got kind of an interesting thing that we're going to try to do. It's going to be a little bit like a Patreon episode. So if, if you like our Patreon episodes, you're going to love this live stream. And if you love the live stream, then you need to go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales and sign up to become a patron. And you can get episodes like that. On a regular basis. That's right. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's it's going to be loose, and uh, and you know we're we're developing it as we speak, and uh, I, I think it's I think it's going to be great. So yeah. be sure and and log in and check it out. Right, and you can comment on those things. We'll see the comments. So we're going to try to take some questions and comments from you guys at the end and kind of interact with y'all since we don't get to on a regular basis in a live kind of forum. Uh, But Matt, that's all I've got for the intro here in the housekeeping. So why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay. So tonight 
we're we're going to look at another haunted place. Um, we've talked about similar uh, places like this um, that that have a history, you know, through the 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 U.S. Civil War, um, and and the the mark that that leaves on on a building on on land and sometimes throughout an entire region. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss um, the Sweetwater Mansion in Florence, Alabama. Yep. Now, this place is pretty interesting um, because Adam and I were talking before we started here. Um, when we talk about these old European castles and, and inns and all this stuff, these places that are insanely haunted, they have a history that is oftentimes just as terrifying as the haunting. Right. Sweetwater isn't really like that. Right. But it existed during a time of strife, and 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 it was it was right there in the middle of all of it. So you can see that there was a buildup of some negative energy. Uh, but it it just didn't have you know the well they they took thirty children and put them in the basement and mm-hmm. filled it with gasoline and you know it, there's there's none of that they slaughtered eighty <laughs> eighty people in the upstairs yeah. bedroom they they don't they didn't have well I'm not going to say they didn't have a dungeon because we're not a hundred percent sure right it did right. it sure didn't look like they had a dungeon. <laughs> But uh, but let's get into it. This is this is going to be uh, haunt heavy. Oh yeah, and it, it, I mean haunt heavy. It's good for a Halloween month. That's you right. Know, we, That's right. We like to do haunty stuff coming up on Halloween, so it, it's good that this is a haunt heavy episode. Now, as we always say, go check our sources down in the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found all this information. You can follow along, or you can continue the research and. Like Matt was saying, the the history on this place that you can find is a little bit light without going to, you know, books and stuff like that. And none of the books I have cover the Sweetwater Mansion, so I was unable to find extra information on it. So we'll go in a brief history of it, and then I got some interesting other stuff to talk about before Matt gets into the hauntings. But the Sweetwater Mansion is located at 1050 Sweetwater Avenue in Florence, Alabama, and it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1976. So the Florence, Alabama area, there was evidence for human habitation in Florence area that goes back to at least 500 BCE. And this was when Florence, yeah, this was when the Florence Indian Mound the largest of its type in the Tennessee Valley was constructed as an earthwork during the woodland period. So Florence has a what they call the Florence Indian Mound that is a giant earthwork and it's old old old. Mm. And I there there's a lot of these around that I I I want to go on a trip and just visit a bunch of these earthworks and see because they're fascinating to me. Yeah, and you know, uh, Florence isn't too far from Nashville. Right. Yeah. Um you know, we we talk about places that, you know, there's very little chance that, you know, one of us could get to them, but Florence is actually pretty close. I don't know the mileage, but I mean, it's it just is right 
right over the state line, really. Yeah, it, it would take less time to get there than for me to get from here to Nashville. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I judge everything based on its uh, equivalency to, for me, driving from basically Fort Worth to Nashville. So if it's less than that, I'm happy. If it's longer than that, I get a little bummed because that's a <laughs> long drive. Now, the Sweetwater Mansion is a plantation-style home in Alabama, like I said, and it was designed by General John Brahan, who was serving in the Alabama militia. But he actually didn't live long enough to see the home finished. It was completed in the year 1835, and because of the death of General uh, Braham, its first inhabitant was the general's son-in-law, Robert Patton. So kind of, I mean, I know it's not the only time this has happened in history, but anytime it happens, I feel bad when the person starts building a home that they want to live in and then they pass away before they can live in the home. You know, it, it's a bummer. So it's an eight room home that's built out of brick. Now, these bricks were actually made on the side of the creek that gives the house its name, the Sweetwater Creek. So. I, we've talked about this before, but it deserves another mention. They didn't go down to Bricks R Us or Brick Depot and pick <laughs> up a pallet of bricks or have them delivered like home builders do now. If you wanted your house made out of bricks, you made the bricks. Right. Yeah. You went down and you mixed the mud and the, the clay and the hay and everything together, and you had to dry them yourself. and you made them. Now, they did have some companies that made bricks, but, you know, if there wasn't one near you, you're not going to get them imported from Mississippi to Alabama most of the time. Right. That's just going to raise your cost tremendously. Right. So if you can make them, you're going to make them. Or you're going to not build it out of brick and you're going to go with wood That's or something else. Right. So the side of the hill that the mansion was built on actually faces the busiest stage road in that area. So he picked a prime location. He wanted to be right there in the hustle and bustle of it. Um, now, they broke ground for the basement in 1828. And while building the basement, they added what is now called the, quote, mystery room. And it's one of the big interests of the mansion even to this day. It's a room where a lot of people say the hauntings start from. So we'll talk more about those hauntings mm -hmm. here in a minute. But the thing, the weird thing about the mystery room is there's no entrance into the mystery room from the basement. The only way that you can see the room is from an exterior window located at about ground level. So think about it. If you didn't know this room was here, and you're walking through the basement, it doesn't seem like there's a room. Right. You're walking around the outside of it. There's no entrance into this room. There's just a window. So you look in, you see a bare room. And if there was noth nothing in the basement, you'd think, oh, this just goes into the basement. Unless you have somebody standing in the basement, and you're trying to see them through this window, and you go, I don't see you. Where, where are you? Right. You know, so you see basically into an empty room. With no door, no tunnel, nothing, just a window. So why? 
what is this room there for? Right. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense at all. This wasn't something that was common. You know, there weren't a bunch of other houses that had a, a room that you essentially could not access. Yeah, it, it's not like a panic room where they could run down right. there and lock I themselves mean, in. Yeah, and it certainly wasn't for storage because even if you could get something in there, how the heck are you going to get it out? Right, you just start throwing apples through the window and you're like, I'll get it out eventually. <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah, it just, it it does not make any sense to me at all why this room would exist. Nope. So that, and I'm not alone, but that makes people believe that there must have been a paranormal reason Mm -hmm. for this room to exist. Yep. Okay. Not that the, you know, there was anything paranormal going on and they said, oh, we got to, that there was a, they had a reason for it being there. Yeah. And it must have been. Something extremely unusual. Yep, because it, I mean, they built it when they built the basement. It's not like they added this on. When the house was being right. built, they yeah. made this room. Yeah. And it now, wasn't like they just sealed up a corner. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And I'll I'll talk about the um rest of the basement here in a minute. It'll make you kind of question it as well. But you know, I I'm trying to think, were they disgrace rooms or shame rooms? Like the Jefferson Hotel has, where uh, back in the day, if you had a mentally handicapped family member, you would put them there in that room, feed them, whatever, but they had to stay in this room so that society didn't see them. This was prior to the, quote, lunatic asylums that they started building to where they shipped their handicapped relatives off to. So I thought maybe that was it, but I thought, no, because there's no entrance or exit. So you can't put a family member in there and then bring them food, bring them water. And right. I, you know, it, yeah, and it, it doesn't make isn't, sense. Isn't the one in the Jefferson, it, it it's like a tunnel almost. You have to crawl through to it's, get to it. It's in the uh, attic. But where it is in the attic is real low roof. So we did have to squat real low and crawl to it because they eventually built um, another part of that hotel over top of it and down. So Mm -hmm. it's like this little weird room stuck off in a corner in the attic. So it's, I don't know. It it just. But you had access to it. Yeah, there there was access. There was a, a a way to you know get in and out. Put the yeah, I think it was their son that they kept up there, and so he was able to get in and out. But you know, it it reminds me of this room, but then it doesn't remind me of this room. I don't know. But the basement area itself has five rooms with a fireplace in each room, as well as a wine cellar, pantry, and laundry room, and a preserving room. So what's with this extra room? Well, you know, you got all these other rooms that have fireplace and everything in there. So there's going to be stuff happening down here in the basement. Why have a room with nothing? Now, maybe did they intend to add a door? But if so, why did they build the wall with no <laughs> hole? I was going to say that's the worst way to do it. 
Yeah, let's build a whole wall and then blow out the hole for the door. I mean, yeah. Now, up on the first floor of the house, there were four large rooms that are separated by a central hallway. And when you go upstairs to the second floor, there are two bedrooms and a guest room up there. So, a lot of rooms in this house, a lot of space in this house for the time period. But as with a bunch of mansions in the U.S., the Sweetwater Mansion was used during the Civil War. It was actually used by both the Confederate and Union armies. And as with most places used by the different armies, the mansion not only was used to shelter the soldiers, but the basement was also used as a makeshift field hospital. So we've talked about the different procedures and the gnarly mess that happened at these makeshift hospitals during the Civil War. And for a more in-depth look into that, go check out some of our old episodes on the old haunted mansions and stuff. But I, I did want to kind of do a recap on some of it now, just to kind of give you an idea of the energy and stuff that would be accumulating in this place during the Civil War. Now, three of every four surgical procedures performed during the war were amputations. Each amputation took about two to ten minutes to complete. Two to ten minutes? Two to ten minutes. And It's insane. I know there was a time before anesthesia was being used, they tried to get it at that two-minute mark because they're just yeah. taking a hacksaw to you while you're awake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I'd be like, knock me out with something, anything. Get a hammer. You know, just put me out. And they do. Before you start sawing on my leg. Right. And they do end up uh, getting anesthesia at some point, which I'll talk about. But it's still not what we have today. Yeah. It's not. You're completely out. Now, there were 175,000 extremity wounds to Union soldiers, and about 30,000 of these underwent amputation with a 26.3% mortality. So the further from the torso the amputation was carried out, the greater the survival. Makes sense. Yeah. So there was... they, they, They put this chart together that the sooner you got to it, to amputation, the the more chance of survival you had. So I want to just read a couple things off here. This is a Confederate Army of Northern Virginia death percentages based on timing of amputation. So the hip, if you got to it under 48 hours, the the death percentage was only 66%. After 48 hours, Hundred percent. The shoulder joint under forty-eight hours, thirty-one percent died. After forty-eight hours, seventy-one percent died. An arm under forty-eight was fourteen percent. After forty-eight was thirty-seven percent. So you can see by that, the further from the torso you get, the lower your death percentage is, and the quicker they got to it the lower your death percent is. So they tried to make a 48-hour, a two-day rule. So, but can you imagine? And and I'll, I'll talk about the 
the mini ball here in a second, but can you imagine getting hit in the leg by multiple mini balls and you need your leg taken off and you're having to sit in a field hospital for over 48 hours? You know, you're sitting there for 72 hours with your leg, I mean, in severe pain, unable to move. It's got to come off, but they've got other stuff they've got to do, and you're just sitting here waiting for this to be taken off. I, I just the the conditions at these field hospitals was incredible, mm-hmm. and not in a good way. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Now, like we mentioned, anesthesia. Anesthesia was first introduced in the U.S. in the 1840s, but during the Civil War, it was used in over 80,000 cases. Chloroform was preferred because it was a quicker onset of action, could be used in smaller volumes, and was non-flammable. During the war, there were only 43 anesthesia-related deaths. So that's pretty good Mm -hmm. for field hospital and chloroform. For 80,000 cases. Yeah. Anesthesia was fairly light, though. It was uh, considered a stage two anesthesia, leading to the misconception that it was not being used. So a lot of people, if you don't look into it a lot, they'll say, well, anesthesia wasn't used at all. It Mm -hmm. was. It was just light. Yeah. Now, I mentioned the mini ball. The slow-moving mini ball used during the American Civil War caused catastrophic energies. The two... Many bullets, for example, that struck John Bell Hood's leg at Chickamauga destroyed five inches of his upper thigh bone. This left surgeons no choice but to amputate the shattered limbs that got hit by these mini balls. The injuries to be dealt with were dreadful and the fault of the soft lead mini ball with the capability to kill at over a thousand yards. This soft lead bullet caused large gaping holes, splintered bones, and destroyed muscle, arteries, and tissues beyond any possible repair, especially for the time. Mm -hmm. Those shot with them through the body or the head would not be expected to live at all. Almost all wounds were caused by the bullet with canister, cannonball shells, and edged weapons next on the list. The cylindrical lead bullet, the mini ball was rather large and heavy. It was a 0.58 caliber. Usually when it hit bone, it tended to expand when it hit guts, like the intestines, it tended to tear them in ways. The old smooth bore musket ball did not since they crushed and smashed bones so badly. The doctors did not have much choice, but to amputate a limb wounds to the stomach were almost always a death sentence. Civil War doctors, it says, were woefully ill-prepared. Of 11,000 northern physicians, 500 had performed surgery. Man. (laughs) Well, Mm -hmm. I've never done this before. Yep. That's what it was. So hold still. (laughs) In the Confederacy of 3,000 physicians, only 27 had performed surgery. Many docs got their first introduction to surgery on the battlefield. Mm. Doctors usually did not specialize. Medical school for many was just two years, some less, and surgeons reacted by adapting. They learned surgery on the job, and people died, of course, until they learned and became better. 
So your chances of getting a skilled surgeon, if you got hurt and sent to one of these field hospitals like the Sweetwater Mansion, was slim to none. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I know it sounds like a staggering statistic when they say that um, these doctors were performing surgery without any experience and a lot of people died. You got to understand these people were going to die anyway. Right. I mean, these were these were last ditch efforts to save lives. And a lot of times it worked. I mean, they were able to to save the lives of soldiers by removing limbs, by preventing bleeding out, by Mm -hmm. preventing an infection to set in. Um, Even if they did a hack job. Yeah. You know, it still, you know, saved an individual's life. Now, of course, they, they lost a bunch. But how much knowledge did they gain by by doing this over and over and over to the point that it, it was a contribution towards modern medicine? Right. You know, that they're like, hey, well, we, we tried this on a dozen of these guys and eight of them lived. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe we need to change how we're doing things. Well, and they probably, without the Civil War, would not have gotten that type of experience that fast. Right. So it probably advanced modern surgical procedures leaps and bounds. Because if you think about these 3,000 union physicians, how, how many of them do you think would get the volume of surgeries like this in a normal practice oh, under normal conditions. Never. Right. And, and there's a difference, you know, if you're, if, if you're doing surgery on a soldier that's been wounded on the battlefield, as opposed to doing surgery on a 28 year old son who is, you know, set to in, inherit his family's fortune. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be a little more cautious, you know, nervous, you know, like if I mess up on this guy, I could, this would ruin my reputation. I, you know, I could lose my career. And if, if I do it to the wrong family, I could lose my life. Yep. Um, They didn't have those type of concerns and it allowed them to do things that maybe they wouldn't have done so readily. So Adam's right. There was no way that these surgeons were going to get that level of experience by, you know, being essentially in a private practice in a, in a township or a community, you know, so there were, there were good things that came out of this as bad as it sounds. Yeah. All right, Matt. So, you know, it is my favorite time of year. I mean, the leaves are changing color. It's getting chilly at night. We can have the windows open. And, you know, it's time for my favorite holiday. <laughs> Raycon's anniversary. Yeah, absolutely. And I know what y'all are thinking out there. You're thinking, well, I, I thought thought that was Halloween. Well, let me ask you. Does Halloween also give you 20 to 40% off premium electronics? Not usually. No. So... Listen up, because Raycon is celebrating their anniversary with a sale that you don't want to miss. 
Now, you may have heard us talk about Raycon before, but it's their anniversary sale. And this year, Raycon is turning six just like Graveyard Tales. Did you know they were as old as Graveyard Tales is? Uh, That's pretty amazing. It's amazing. So in the six years, Raycon has really made a name for themselves in the premium audio space. Yeah, and they have they have already in that six years racked up seventy eight thousand five star reviews. That's amazing. And and the reason is because they're amazing. Now I wear the everyday earbuds, and they are known for delivering high quality audio and thoughtful features like. 32-hour battery life and that perfect in-air fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. All this at half the price of other premium brands. And let me tell you, Amanda and I both wear Raycons. We both absolutely love them. We just got back from a trip to the beach. Amanda, she wears her Raycons all the time. Mm-hmm. She takes phone calls on them. She listens to music on them. You rarely ever will see her without one of those Raycon everyday earbuds sitting in, in her ear. I always thought she glued them in, but <laughs> she might as well because they don't fall out. Right. She she's wearing them on the beach. We're out there throwing football back and forth. She's got no problem. She's not even worried she's going to have to hunt for one in the sand because she knows it's not going to fall out. Right. So help Adam and I celebrate Raycon turning six with their biggest sale of the year. Hurry and hurry now to buyraycon.com slash tails and use code birthday to get 20 to 40% off site-wide. That's right. Raycon's turning six and having their biggest sale of the year. So go to buyraycon.com, that's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash tails, and use the code BIRTHDAY to score 20 to 40% off. Buyraycon.com slash tails. And if you think about now, you have practicing physicians and... uh, um, surgeons but you then have the specialized fields of battlefield and trauma medics and battlefield and trauma surgeons Mm -hmm. things have to be done a different way in a war zone and when time and equipment is limited right so a lot of these battlefield surgeons battlefield medics will end up going into private practice or working at hospitals and stuff when they come back from war and bringing that knowledge with them. But all of them will say, we learned, you know, from physicians, but then we also had to learn from prior battlefield medics who did things differently. Right. When you're having to give IVs on a battlefield, and move the patient and stuff. It's different than putting an IV in in a hospital room where they're sedentary in a bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, back then, many doctors were political appointments, so there were no licensing boards in the 1860s. So Army exam boards often let in quacks. So we've talked about the quacks before in other episodes where they're selling snake oil and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. 
there were there was no licensing to keep them out. So you might get one of these guys that's dumping cayenne pepper oil on your wound and going, it'll either fall off or heal itself. I don't know, but we'll see in 48 hours. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like a, a, a dot. When I was in Mississippi, I think I've told this story before. There was a doctor, no matter what you had wrong with you, he had a standing order for a triple H enema. Oh, yeah. You yep. come in there with a hangnail and he you, you're getting a triple H enema and mm-hmm. somebody finally was bold enough to ask him what that was. He said, it's high, hot, and hell of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one of these guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, your whatever. leg's falling it's gonna, off. It's going to be good for you. Bend yep. over. Take it like a man. Your leg's falling off. Let me blow some water up your tuchus. <laughs> it'll be all right. It'll, it'll blow that leg right off. I promise. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so this goes on to say that the field hospital was hell on earth. The surgeon would stand over the operating table for hours without a let up. Men screamed in delirium, calling for loved ones, while others laid pale and quiet with the effect of shock. Only the division's best surgeons did the operating, and they were called operators. Already, they were performing a crude system of triage. The ones wounded through the head, belly, or chest were left to one side because they would most likely die. It says this may sound somewhat cruel or heartless, but it allowed the doctors to save precious time and to operate on those that could be saved with prompt attention. The surgeon would wash out the wound with a cloth, and the Southern Army sponges were long exhausted, and probe the wound with his finger or a probe looking for bits of cloth, bone, or the bullet. If the bone was broken or a major blood vessel torn, he would often decide on amputation. Later in the war, surgeons would sometimes experiment with resection, but amputations were far more common. So just picture this. You've got the Sweetwater Mansion being taken over by one of these armies, the Union or the Confederates, and the basement has been turned into triage in a hospital. So you have... Dozens, hundreds, maybe wounded men that come in there every day. Blood spilled on the floor. Mm-hmm. There's pain, screaming, limbs coming off. Maybe Triple H enemas. Maybe, <laughs> maybe leeches being put on parts of the body. You know, chloroform, whiskey being used, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. And that's the type of stuff that was going on at the Sweetwater Mansion during the Civil War. So you can't tell me there is not something going on at this place. Oh, absolutely. And and there are so many stories about paranormal activity that take place in and around the mansion. I mean, countless apparitions have been reported um, that, you know, have been seen you know, in and around the mansion and out on the grounds. But when you think about how many soldiers potentially came through this area, you know, how many deaths occurred, you know, in that basement of the mansion, mm-hmm. that's going to not only a lot of spirits, but a lot of energy there, oh, yeah. negative energy that would hold on to these spirits and potentially keep them from crossing over. Think about that paranormal sludge that we've talked about getting splashed on walls. Yeah. It's just going to stay. And and battlefields are loaded with it. 
Um, but let's just let's just kind of go through uh, the different parts of the mansion and the stories that are associated with these parts, and then we're going to get into um, a, a large investigation that took place at the mansion um, and yielded some pretty amazing evidence. Um, when you go in, but there's a there's an old staircase that goes up to the second floor. Um, and it, and it's right there when you open the front door and behind this staircase, there is a boarded up wall that leads to a cellar. Now the legend about this cellar is that there was a grieving civil war mother who kept her son's rotting corpse down there because she couldn't let go. Oh, geez. So, you know, you've got, I mean, he was, he was dead. She wasn't trying to take care of him. She just couldn't bring herself to bury him and let his corpse just stay down there and rot. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. you know, that's got, that's got plenty of negative energy there on its own. Mm-hmm. But one of the cool stories that you'll hear about the mansion is the story of a caretaker who claimed to have seen a phantom casket with the body of a Confederate soldier. And it was supposedly laid in one of the rooms downstairs. And she believed that she saw the body of one of the sons of General Patton, who incidentally had his funeral inside the house. Hmm. So she may have been witnessing that stone tape replay yeah. of this this funeral, um, but it 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 shook her. I mean, it, oh, it yeah. really terrified I'm, her. I'm sure. Now there is another room in the house that inexplicably tends to lock women inside. Hmm. Yeah. Like if a if a woman may go in solo into a particular into this particular room. Um, there have been multiple occasions where the door has locked behind them, essentially trapping them inside. One of the mansion's caretakers, Emmett Letty region was so terrified of her experience when she got locked in one of these rooms that she would only live in two rooms. That was it. She didn't go anywhere else. Oh, wow. You know, two rooms she felt comfortable in. She didn't want to go anywhere else because she didn't know if she was going to wind up getting locked in another room. Yeah. Yeah. Said, screw this. I'm staying here. I'm good here. <laughs> yeah. Not I'm, moving. I, yeah. I'm good here. These doors don't lock. I'm solid. I'm not leaving these two rooms. Mm -hmm. Now, Adam mentioned the mystery room earlier, that, that odd room in the basement with you know, no door, no access other than an exterior window. Now, sometimes it's called, it's referred to the mystery room. Sometimes it's, it's called the secret room. But as Adam hinted at, a lot of the, the haunting stories tend to originate here. And like I said, there's no door. It, it only can be accessed through a small window, but it is believed that two of the sons of the former owners were buried underneath the floor of the secret room. My question is, how? Was, were they buried there and the house was built on top of them? 
Um, were they buried there after the fact? Was, you know, did, how did they get them in there? You know, they got to, I don't know, drag bodies in through the, through that the window. window. Yeah. And, and then crawl in themselves with enough equipment to dig a grave in here and then cover it up. That, that, that is, that's still, a um, that it's not been confirmed. I mean, you know, they're not digging up the floor of this, of this secret room to, mm-hmm. to find out if there's human remains underneath there, but it is a very common story that you hear uh, when talking about Sweetwater mansion. And it, it, like you said, it could have been done before they finished mm-hmm. and they put the wall there to segregate the quote graveyard from the rest of the basement. And that's a possibility too. But you know, if we, if we consider the fact that this could be true, you know, you're, you're burying, you're, you're burying bodies underneath a home where the living is going to be. It just, it seems to me, this is just inviting paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's one thing to have a funeral in a home. It's one thing to have the wake or to have the body, you know, out for people to come and, and pay their last respects. Or a graveyard in your backyard. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, a whole it, nother thing. It doesn't stay there, mm-hmm. you know. Adam, you know, w- one thing I absolutely enjoy is having something that's so unique that people notice it and ask, hey, where did you find that? Right. Yeah. Where did you get that? Whether it's, you know, a, a cool watch band or a bracelet or a hat, you know, somebody to come up and go, man, I really like that. Where did you find that? Because I hadn't seen that everywhere. I can always tell them, go to Uncommon Goods. Okay. Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon to have that, that cool piece of swag that nobody else has got to give that perfect gift to a friend, to a loved one, you know, that just says, hey, this this made me think of you, and I knew that you would love it. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or for your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Um, and, and a few of the things that, that I really, really think are cool at Uncommon Goods, at being a therapist, these massage, these trigger point balls. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are fantastic. I saw those I mean, and immediately thought of you. I was like, yeah, Matt's going to love yeah. these. I mean, you know, uh, you know, being able to find those little knots that get in your neck and your back and between your shoulder blades and, and having that ball, be, it allows you to, to work them out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, Adam sits at the computer, you know, working on the show and doing editing and stuff for long hours. You know, his neck bothers him. This would be something perfect for him. Yep. And, and you know, I'm. we also love to camp. And I've got a big affinity for, you know, our national parks. And I, they have national park camping blankets, national park hats, national park necklaces. It's so cool. That, that are done by by individual artists you know it's it's not something that's mass produced these things are 
they are bespoke. You know, they are one of a kind in a lot of cases. And if you find something really cool, you better get it because it may be gone and they don't have any more. Yeah, exactly. I just actually got, speaking of gone and not have any more, I actually got Ashley some TCU wine glasses on there because they have the uh, cityscape. Yeah. yeah. So it shows like the drawing of TCU. And when I ordered them, thank God I ordered them when I did because they had two left. And I was like, oh, no, 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 get them, get them, get them. So if you if you see something, you, you better pick it up. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches, like we said. So shop now before they sell out at the holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. So if you want to get something cool for a loved one or or a friend of yours or for yourself. For, yeah. You know, if you say, I'm going to do this for myself and not anybody else. I mean, you know, what, what you can do, you can do that. And you, you can be selfish. I wholeheartedly approve of being selfish and getting something for yourself on that. <laughs> and to do that and get 15% off, you need to go to uncommongoods.com slash grave, G-R-A-V-E, and you can get, like I said, the 15% off your next gift. Yeah, that's uncommongoods.com slash grave, G-R-A-V-E, for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods. We're all out of the ordinary. You take the body out, and even if you've got a family plot, you know, right outside in the yard or, or you know, whatever, um, the body wasn't buried inside the house. But according yep. to this legend, those two sons were buried underneath the floor of that mysterious room. Now, investigators have captured numerous photographs that document some of the strange anomalies that occur in the Sweetwater Mansion. And one photograph was that of the distinct shape of a Civil War soldier dressed in a Confederate uniform outdoors on the property one evening this particular apparition has been reported many many times hmm. you know this 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 soldier in uniform has been seen on the grounds um for for years you know so he, he's one of the most common reported apparitions um and they're not they're not a hundred percent sure who this would be attributed to because there were so many soldiers that came through there when it served as the hospital. And again, right. Adam said it was hospital for both Confederate and Union soldiers. So, I, the the apparition is good enough that they have determined that it's a Confederate uniform that he's wearing. Yeah. Now, during the taping of an episode of the show Paranormal State, you remember that show? Yeah. That was like yeah. one of the original, you mm -hmm. know, ghost hunt shows. Investigators witnessed a door move by itself and also heard footsteps. A large piece of the ceiling tile 
also flew across the room. Um, but they also supposedly may have gotten a photograph of this, you know, this Confederate soldier apparition. Hmm. Now, this one I couldn't find anything else about, and I only found one article that mentioned mentioned it. But there, there is a legend that says that there was someone, and they're not sure who, but someone practiced black magic in one of the upstairs bedrooms. So, like I said, I couldn't find any more details, and and the the people that mentioned this story, they they didn't really have any clue as to who that would have been. Um, but for the sake of argument, let's say that really occurred. Yeah. It wouldn't be. Well, for example, if I tell you that five years ago, there was somebody in my neighbor's house that was practicing black magic in an upstairs bedroom, you, you'd look at me like, well, is this a joke? Really? Yeah. Yeah. But around that time, it wasn't so out of the ordinary. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that what they were doing was nefarious, but it was definitely misunderstood. And a lot of that was considered to be, quote unquote, black magic. But I was going to say, it doesn't necessarily mean that anything was conjured. Right. You know, but like you were saying, when you hear black magic, immediately people go to evil that right. it was evil. It was bringing evil in and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. There's also been talk of a potential portal, um, inside the mansion. So this would kind of go along with that. If, if that is, is accurate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there was somebody there, that was practicing, you know, the dark arts and, you know, some, somebody like, uh, in, enjoyed, uh, reading Alistair Crowley you know, information, somebody that liked to kind of, you know, uh, play around with, uh, with spiritualism and things like that, try to commune with spirits. I, I guess there's a potential that they could have opened a portal and, and that may contribute to the amount of activity that occurs in the in the mansion. The whole portal thing, it's and you know, it's I know it's a stretch for a lot of people, but we've talked about a lot of places that bring up that idea of there being a portal either to hell or to another dimension. Mm-hmm. Um but beyond just saying they're there's been investigators that believe there might be a portal in the Sweetwater Mansion. It's hard to say, but this this would definitely lend to that. Right. There's also been reports of witnesses seeing a woman dressed in a Civil War era dress walking in the hallways. We don't hear a lot about the women that, you know, lived in the Sweetwater Mansion. A lot of the stories we have that involve uh, females are about the, the staff, you know, about caretakers, um, you know, people like that, you know, it wasn't necessarily about, you know, any of general Patton's, you know, family. Um, so again, they're not really sure who this would be, 
But there's also witnesses that have reported hearing children laughing when there are no children anywhere on the plantation. Yeesh. Uh, that's and you know that's one of those things we we hear commonly in these in in these situations, but doesn't make it any better. You know, <laughs> if you you hear children laughing and there's no children anywhere, it, mm-hmm. it's gonna your butthole's gonna pucker. I'm sorry, Adam's it's leaving. just gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, Adam will not be there much longer. That's right. If that's the case. He's taking a <laughs> nope. Peace. I'm you know, going so- home. So you can see there's there's quite a bit of uh, of activity and it's and it's got a it, it it's got a variety you know it's it's not all it's not all within one one room or even entirely inside the mansion you know it extends out onto the grounds and I, to my understanding they they don't it's not open for tours at this point Mm-hmm. That that may have changed, you know. I, I I tried to find some information about. Could you visit it now? Um, but they do let paranormal investigators come in, and so this Leslie Ann Hyde, and and her investigative team with Southern Ghost Girls Tours. That's a it's a hard name to get out all at once. <laughs> Southern Ghost Girls Tours. Um, they have recorded many paranormal activity events inside and outside of the Sweetwater Mansion. And, uh, and Hyde says that they, they have this overarching commitment to help maintain and preserve historic places such as the Sweetwater Mansion and the caretakers of this old house, they, they dropped the the money making tours because the property is too dangerous. Okay. Mm. But they, but they invited, uh, Leslie Hyde and her, her team in there, um, because of all the reports of the apparitions. Dangerous as in, there's a lot of like, uh, backwoods dudes with crossbows. Uh, and it, no it didn't teeth. go into specifics. Okay. My, my guess is that, you know, this is a really old house. Um, you know, there there's a good chance that, you know, stairwells are mm. are, are not structurally sound. Um, floorboards have, have aged and maybe even rotted. Um, so there's too much of a risk for the general public just roaming through there day after day. Right. Um you know, causing additional damage to the house and potentially injuring a visitor. So not um, dueling banjos type of I danger. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I think I would have found some of that, but you know, Cletus just- next door gets a little angry when we have <laughs> tours here. But uh but Leslie Ann Hyde says that they have done two investigations there. One with a TV film crew from the show Truth or Legends in Your Hometown. And Hyde admits that she really does not want to visit this house again if she can avoid it. Right. Now, this is a paranormal investigator. Yeah. Okay. Usually, paranormal investigators want to go mm-hmm. where the action is. They're, yeah. they're not going to, no, I'm not going there. I mean, you know, with the exception of maybe a few places, most of them are like, yeah, we'll go. Look, if yep. you'll go spend the night in Waverly Hills, 
I don't see how anything else is really going <laughs> to right. make you go, yeah, no, I'll skip that. Right. Uh, okay. What's um, got to be going on there? <laughs> that's right. So she says, quote, so much happened in that house from the time you approached the front door, you know, outside where my mom photographed orbs everywhere around that house to the staircase where many investigators, including our paranormal team, felt that there was a portal. You know, several rooms upstairs where women and children were said to have been kept captive and a little boy died from snake bites. Now, see, that was the first thing I heard about women being kept captive. You know, and even even Adam didn't find stuff like that in the history. No. Um, You know, so... I, I, I'm not sure where that information comes from. If it's not in the history, was this something that maybe a psychic picked up on? Um, maybe there are some stories that they don't tell publicly. Um, you know, maybe if you did get an opportunity to visit Sweetwater Mansion, you would learn some additional history. I don't know. So I don't know if that was really, if that was something that really happened or not. But Hyde said the hauntings they were asked to investigate were specific to the little boy who is said to be one of the spirits. And Hyde goes on to say, uh, the other the other spirit is Billy, whose name is actually William. And the story about Billy has been passed along for well over a hundred years that his mother just could not let him go. And she kept his decomposing body in the cellar for a very long time. So we've already that just heard weirds this story. me out. Yeah, that yeah. that weirds me out, man. But in in the earlier version of this story, it was a Confederate soldier whose mother kept him. And in this one, it sounds like it could potentially be a child. Yeah. So they, Hyde says, we couldn't do any experiments down there because it's boarded up and they wouldn't allow anyone to go in. Uh, Jackie Bearden, who is Leslie's mother and the staff photographer, has recorded all kinds of misty, shadowy figures in and around the staircase. Um, and she actually uses one of the, she says she uses one of those ghost detector apps on her phone. You know, I, and, and, you know, we've kind of joked about that before, um, but yeah. there's, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of difference between, you know, a, a smartphone and, you know, an EMF reader. It, it has the potential to pick up, you know, that type of energy, how well it does that with an app that you got. Well, I don't really know. And, and mine's not that. I know this thing's got the capability to do it. You know, your phone can do it. But what I worry about with the apps is programmer bias, mm-hmm. where they're putting in responses. Like if right. you've got a ghost box app on your phone, it, it seems to me it's a lot easier for someone to put in where every five minutes it's going to say death, yeah, murdered, something yeah. like that, or it's going to listen to what you ask and has a potential 
of giving a response based on programming. Mm-hmm. Where if you've got a ghost box that all it does is scan through frequencies, you're not going to have that same input ability. Yeah. So I, I worry about apps on the smartphone. And I, I'm with you, and, and you and I have actually tried one at my mom and dad's house. Yeah. And we're we're not sure that it was, you know, that this was actually going to work, but we figured, hey, let's, we'll, we'll give it a go. We'll, yeah. we'll give it a shot. Got to try everything. But if you think about what AI is, co- is capable of doing now, mm-hmm. you know, imagine building an artificial intelligence into a ghost detecting app. And you could you could really pull off some yeah. some you know legitimate looking pranks essentially uh-huh. um, you know with it responding to you with it answering questions more appropriately and you just put enough of a filter in there where it sounds like it's coming through uh, white noise or or the static on the radio. You know, you you could really get some false evidence that way. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. So I think some of this stuff you have to take with a grain of salt always. Mm-hmm. Um, but but she but Jackie does say that there was a table there with a hammer and a lamp sitting on it, and in the app it came up hammer very quickly, and she says things started happening pretty pretty rapidly after that and everybody else on the team went upstairs but jackie stayed around to snap a few pictures and she says she started getting a lot of weird pictures through the stairwell um which again that that's where the idea of this portal or gateway is but it says one of the images is looks either like a ghostly woman or an angel you know, so yeah. in a in a flowing dress, um, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't get to see this photograph to tell you what it looked like to me, but you know, a, a ghostly female presence, you know, showed up on these photographs. Now, in the dining area, one of the pictures that Jackie took shows what looks like a man's profile, and another kind of horrid ghoulish type profile there is another picture of the floor and some type of crawling thing in the stairwell coming out of the door and she says you know it is just it's really really weird and strange and she she didn't have an explanation for it now tab wilson who is jackie's niece and a member of the paranormal investigative team said that she felt a stronger connection upstairs where the children were said to have played. And she says, we got it. We also got a response in the nursery where a six-year-old boy allegedly met his death while playing with what he thought were worms, but were actually baby copperheads. So said, we set up some trigger objects, toys, and a teddy bear to see if we could attract the children but we didn't get much of a response. But we did get more response in a bedroom where a group of women were said to have been rounded up during the war, locked in, and traumatized by Union soldiers. Children were also kept there for protection during the war. Now, that I could probably believe occurred. When it was under the control of the union army 
would there have been potential for them to have um, Confederate women that they had taken prisoner or just were there and they're like, we don't need you in the way. We don't need you trying to, you know, jump us from behind or whatever. We're going to lock you up into this room and keep you out of the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a soldier or, or a few that were in charge of maybe guarding that area, you know, maybe harass these women, you know, took some liberties. I, I could see where there was a potential for something like that to happen and why it wouldn't be talked about as much in the history. You know, it, it you know, the, the union union armies weren't keeping records of what they did while they were held up in a, a, a Confederate building. Yeah. Okay. And you know, the, the Confederates wouldn't necessarily know what was going on other than what the women would have told them, you know, those that survived. Um, and you know, they probably, you know, they probably didn't want to talk about it at all. You know, right, so right. so I think there there is a chance that something like that did happen. Um, they said also there uh, on their first investigation of the house, the team heard uh, a spirit they call the humming lady. Sometimes she's called the singing lady, but she was also heard again during their second investigation with the film crew downstairs in the parlor. They said you could hear her as clear as day humming a perfect little happy tune. Leslie Hyde said. Hmm. So that's kind of that reminds me of the Whistler. Um, yeah. You know, up at, at the Thomas. The, yeah. Yeah. Up to uh, Thomas House. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, that was the one that I bet and I were, we swore that Adam or Austin were messing with us. And we yeah. heard the whistle and we're standing outside and we turn around and Adam and Austin are walking out of the dining room. We're like, well, mm-hmm. it wasn't them. <laughs> yep. Yep. I remember because when we walked out there, y'all were like freaking out. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and so, we're like, what? It <laughs> <laughs> was so funny. Um but yeah, so this is similar to that. You know, the lady hums a little tune and they said you can hear it just as, you know, plain as day. That's interesting. Now, uh, Leslie goes on to say they sat down in a semicircle in the back bedroom. And this is when the scariest thing happened to them. They all experienced this loud, deep growl. And what do we know about hearing those loud, deep growls? You know, it's it's usually not a human spirit. Right. You know, it's it's some other type of entity. And you know, that that pretty much that pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah, we're like, oh yeah, this is this is not good, you know. Yeah. And and it also speaks to that idea that there could be a portal in there. They said it sounded like a wolf about to come through the wall and several people from the film crew heard it, said it was loud. And even somebody said, what the hell was that? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't like uh, this feeling. It was audible. And and several of the team heard it and the film crew heard it as well. Um, so, you know, it, it just, you know, wrapping this up, it, it Leslie Ann Hyde says, 
it takes a lot to scare us, but I do not like that house. Yeah. And so like, again, for a paranormal investigator to say, I don't, if I can help it, I don't want to go back to this house that seems so on it. Yeah. You know, that, you know, it's hard and it's, you and I know when we talked about this, when we went to the Thomas house that, um, it's really tough to explain to somebody the feeling that you get, right? You know yeah. that you're 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 standing in somewhere and you just get that uh, I'm not alone, mm-hmm. or or something is off about this place. You know, you, you you feel it when you get into some some situations where you know you're. Your spine tingles, or your hair stands up on the end, and it's just tough to explain. You know, you're not you're not actively witnessing anything. You know, sometimes it's it's your mind playing tricks on you. But when you get that feeling, you just know in your gut, this is yeah. whatever it is. It's not typical. It's not I got normal. that feeling a, a couple times walking down the dark hall of the Jefferson Hotel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you just, this isn't right. You know, it, mm-hmm. give, it gives you the willies. Yep. And, you know, for somebody like, you know, a paranormal investigator who's, you know, been Lord knows how many places and, and heard up to million stories, to stand in somewhere and go, you di- you guys don't understand. Mm-hmm. This place is scary. Yeah. You know, it is scary what all is going on here. Just that growl alone would have freaked me out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, to me, it, it really does sound like that the Sweetwater Mansion is haunted. Um, I did find uh, a lot of little blurbs and comments uh, from people who claimed that they had either had a family member that worked there or they themselves had been affiliated with the mansion in some manner um, that said, this is all baloney. You know, you don't believe any of it. You know, we, nothing ever happened there. Yeah. And I, I just, I have to think where there's smoke, there's fire. And when there's this many stories, sure. They may have been embellished, and and sure, some of the legends may have been, you know, um, exaggerated in order to allow them to fit the paranormal experience that people have had. But I just don't think you get this many stories, uh, this many people, this many investigations to just come out and say, absolutely nothing is happening there. This is all made up. It's all baloney. And they're obviously not making any money off dragging tourists in. So why perpetuate these stories at all? Yep. If you're not profiting from it, I really don't see that there's any reason for you to, you know, just keep coming out with, with different stories of paranormal activity. It just doesn't make sense. It's like that mystery room. It doesn't make sense. We Mm -hmm. don't understand you know, why you would do something like this. Why would you build this crazy room? Why would you make up this many stories about this place being haunted if you're not looking for some attention or a little bit of cash? Yep, exactly. So exactly. I I tend to believe, you know, that 
you know, at least some of these stories are, are pretty accurate and that there have been a lot of folks that have experienced some odd things there. But what do you guys think? I mean, like I said, you know, Florence, Alabama is not far from me. I know we have a lot of listeners in Middle Tennessee and Northern Alabama. I'm sure that if you're from that area, you've heard some stories about the Sweetwater Mansion. Um, like I said, I've heard dozens of stories about these places that are all around me. Adam knows places that are around him. You just hear them. If you've got something that we left out, if if you know a little tidbit that we didn't cover, please let us know. Um, yeah. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Um, thousands of members. It's a safe place to share those personal experiences. No one's going to make fun of you. We're all just in there because we want to hear these fantastic stories. Okay. Um, when you're done there, you can go check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become a patron. And, and we thank everyone who has donated um, to the show. It, 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 oh, yeah. it really helps Adam and I keep this thing going. Um, and, you know, just we, we told you at the beginning, we, we've got we've got a lot of uh, different type shows on our, our Patreon channel. Uh, so check it out. They're they're different from our main shows and there's a huge catalog now. So, you know, give it a shot. And with the holidays coming up, if you've got if you've got a Graveyard Tales fan in uh, in your family, you know, gifting them a patreon membership would be a great thing because you're giving them you know close to 200 bonus episodes yeah all right um i think that's all i've got for this one it was crazy i know it it seems like such an innocuous place yeah and then you look into it it's like uh there's some stuff going on i know it's it's the weirdest thing an an old old home that has less history and more haunting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's usually the other way around. So Right, right. But it's pretty cool. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.